0: Hey there, my name is Valentin Umbach, and you're listening to Analytics Anonymous, the show where I talk with analytics leaders and practitioners about the challenge of making better decisions with data. In this episode, I talk with Tobias Hartzuhl about data visualization. Tobias works as Senior Product Analyst at Mobimeo, a company that builds mobility apps in Berlin. Prior to joining Mobimeo, he has worked at Lavoo, together with me, um, as Senior Data and Product Analyst. And uh, Tobias has a Master's in Media Studies from Dresden and New York, with a focus on data journalism and visualization. Toby, I'm super excited to have you on the show today.
1: Yeah. Hi, Valentin. Uh, nice
0: to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Before we get into the topic, I want to start with a small challenge for you. As analytics professionals, we a big part of our job is explaining complex issues and relationships in simple terms to people without a background in, in data or technology or statistics. So here's my challenge. How would you describe your job to my grandmother, who has never used a computer, a smartphone or the internet in general? <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, that's a good one. Uh... And immediately catching me off guard with your first question. I like that. Um, (laughs) I would uh, probably um, try to get across uh, the point that as a data analyst, uh, first and foremost, I think of myself as um, a communicator within the company. So there's always people asking us questions uh, in the analytics team and we try to get across the best answers. But uh, at the same time, we also need to understand the needs of the stakeholders, as well as the needs of the users, so you need to be able to um, yeah, put yourself into the position of all these different type of people, and um, then find solutions for them. So I think you are also um, a better analyst, uh, the better you can really get behind what people really want, and sometimes um, they don't know that in the very first place, and you find it out through discussions. Um, sometimes they have very clear and specific understanding of what they want and need, and that's also fine. Um, but yeah, yeah, in the end, um, I would probably tell your grandmother that we are there to answer all kinds of questions that uh, arise uh, within the context of this company and try to find the answers to them, kind of like detectives, and uh, yeah, yeah,
0: and then get the results across. Yeah. I like that. Uh, a couple of words that you used. The detective is something that I really... I like this, this image of the data detective, and uh, it's, it's, it's very fitting often trying to find out what happened, and you have the, the traces in the data, basically. And I also enjoy that, that kind of work. Um, yeah, definitely. But also the, that you mentioned the whole communication, explaining things, understanding things, understanding needs from users, from stakeholders, and so on. Totally agree with that. Um, all right, back to the topic, um, data visualization is really at the core of all analytics work. So whether we're building a dashboard or running an ad hoc analysis, we always in some way translate uh, the data into some visual format to make it easier to to understand for our brain also and to pull some insights out of it. Um, So it's obviously very important we do it all the time, but the question is, do we do it well? So what does that mean to do it well? What makes a good effective visualization? And what can go wrong if we do a bad job here? So how about we start with that last point? Can you think of any examples, either from your work or somewhere else, where you've seen a really bad data visualization? Um, so what made it bad and what consequences might, might we see because of that?
1: Yeah. I mean... Um Definitely, um, uh, bad data visualization is easier to do than uh, great data visualization, and uh, you will always come across it in some terms, but maybe we can distinguish a little bit between the obviously bad ones where just some uh, very uh, common ground rules are not uh, respected when you uh, think about uh, access labeling that is not existing (laughs) or things like that. Um, that is, I think, more rarely the case because usually people uh, already have an understanding uh, when they work in a certain field um, and work with numbers, then the, the basics are there. But maybe a more not-so-obvious um, bad data visualizations for me is always when it gets too crowded and when the message is obscured. like. Um, I think of data visualization first and foremost as a tool for all these traits that I maybe mentioned before, trying to get across a message, communicate something, and uh, in order to be able to communicate a message, you need to know what you want to communicate, and then if you are aware of this what you want to communicate you can make design decisions that better communicate it and um, oftentimes there are things that are too crowded Um, uh, a graph maybe um, doesn't need to show the other categories that you don't care about at in that moment Um, you can leave them out be a little bit more radical Um, also a lot of stakeholders don't need to be bothered with um, information that they don't need to worry about so let's say you have um, a test version or something of an app um, that already um, has some events and you include that in your um, data visualization even though it's based on a handful of events compared to um, hundreds thousands of events uh, from the production app um, it will just lead to questions that are unnecessary, you have the background knowledge that this is not needed to be shown here, leave it out. So, and I think this simplification process can be done in several steps backward and the, um, a good data analyst um, thinks of these steps and then decides for the correct balance, like uh, how much information do we need to show here, maybe the, the most boiled down version would be just a big number. <laughs> Right. um and the uh, most elaborate one is a, a, a graph um, in some form mm. um, that is more uh,
0: yeah i don't know shows a, a wider range of of information i i like that you think about this um in terms of again you know what do you want what kind of uh information do you want to convey what kind of story do you want to tell also with with the data and um, what's the message you want to get across basically um the communication part of it and not only these maybe more obvious things you say but i think um still uh yeah you often come across um some obviously bad data visualizations where you have wrong axes as you mentioned or um, missing labels or um confusing color palettes or something like yeah. this um and there's many hilarious collections also you can find online <laughs> uh, for for someone who's interested for example i uh, looked today at the um, data is ugly subreddit they collect uh, things like that um yeah so but these are maybe the more obvious mistakes but i think it's really um nice to uh, to see it, like you explained, I think you have to make choices as, a, as the analyst who creates the visualization, what you put in, what you leave out to really bring your point across.
1: Again, I think uh, this is no coincidence that there is lots of bad data visualization out there because it's easy to do mistakes. So um, one other thing that I just uh, crossed my mind is also this whole topic of what kind of story you want to tell is uh, much easier to get behind when you do static analysis for uh, or static visualization. For example, you have an analysis um, that has a certain scope, you know um, what it's about, um, and you do the visualizations for that. It's a completely different thing when you think about dashboarding, where um, the data is not static, it's changing all the time, and um, your visualization needs to fulfill uh, completely different needs. Uh, um yeah it has to move with the data and it has to work in all kinds of circumstances so um that's a, a bigger challenge i would say for example
0: when you bring this topic up as uh, it's uh, great i wanted to ask you about this anyway what do you think are some specific aspects um to think about when you're creating dashboards as you explained yeah so dashboards that are automatically updated uh, and regularly used maybe on a daily weekly basis or whatever by different types of stakeholders in the business Um, yeah what what are some considerations um, that you think about here
1: yeah i mean in general i think the same rules apply so again it's about reduction Uh, leave anything out there that is unnecessary or um, or provide extra information in some Uh, in some tooltips for example so when you're working in the digital space at least that's possible um, that you can have more information on on, uh, mouse hover Um, then you don't need to um, have a text displayed all the time um, that just obstructs the eye so put the data first that's definitely for sure and then a big fan of uniformity so if you have uh, many dashboards um, for different topics um, and everyone uses them um, or let's say certain stakeholders maybe look more often into their topic but then when they go to a different section they will immediately get uh, how it is working because it's the same as they are used to um, and also just a, um, the logic progression of what we are showing so um, if you have some guidelines about so going a little bit into metrics now i'm uh, assuming uh, working in the mobile app field um, some um, usual kpis would be a share of users who do something and then maybe a more engagement metric would be how many times they do it and if you always um, do that in the same Yeah, in the same places, so you say maybe you have columns and it's always first about user numbers, the second column is always about shares, uh, how many users do something, and the third column is always about the amount of times they do it. Um, People will get used to these patterns and if they logically make sense, again, it's kind of like a guiding through a story of, okay, how many users do we have who do a certain action, the next thing I would ask is, ah, what share of our total users is that? OK, that's mm-hmm. the next graph. And oh, how many times do they do it? If mm-hmm. that uh, storyline makes sense uh, because it fits your product, then it might also make sense that your dashboard follows these um, physical structures of the logical structures you have in your head. Yeah, um, yeah. And then um, I also think one thing you mentioned, uh, which is uh, uh, color patterns, I think this is one of the things that uh, stands out to me um, the most when it comes to seeing bad visualizations that, for example, you have um, a certain color coding and uh, that applies well for one graph, but then Mm -hmm. next to that you have another graph that uses the same dimensions, but the colors are different. It's just every time the user has to put in um, some work to decipher anything, that's bad. Mm -hmm. they should immediately have a grasp of what they are looking at and um, if you have some common dimensions for example that are always applying to your business let's say you're a company that operates in different markets and you know that um, you will show things by market uh, in many different uh,
0: dashboards Mm -hmm.
1: have some way um, some convention this market will always be this color and this will help a lot Yeah.
0: yeah yeah i agree Making it um, consistent and help making it simpler for for the user to yeah. uh, to understand at first sight um, because yeah I, I think how I understand you they come with an expectation basically uh, and what they will what what the, what the what the chart that they're looking at what it what it might mean and um, it's much harder to understand if if we don't match that expectation somehow. exactly yeah. Um, I want to go maybe a little bit more specific into um, um, different types of charts. So um, you mentioned, uh, you know, some metrics now that you might show metrics for a mobile app, for example. Um, What, um, yeah, what types of charts do you find useful for what, Type of, uh, of, of data and, and visualization? So, I mean, typical things like a, a time series, of course, but also what, what what's the right place also for some other chart types, maybe?
1: I think there are no definite rules completely, but um, first of all, the simpler, the better, and um, the more efficient, the better. And there's a reason for why... Uh, most things work perfectly fine as a timeline graph or as a bar chart don't overdo it don't, you don't have to reinvent everything just to make it cooler or something um, so I would say probably um, these two uh, chart types timeline graph and uh, bar charts they cover probably 90 to 95% of your needs I'm, I'm convinced of that Um, And then it's about uh, how um, do you rearrange things um, or like, how do I put this? Um, You you can work from that start and uh, add to that. So for example, uh, one thing that I don't like in uh, a lot of also free applications also, um, usually you are restricted in the way you group things. So. You have a line chart that shows maybe, um, let's say, user numbers per market. Mm -hmm. So then you have one line per each market, makes total sense. Now you want to put one more dimension into it, let's say platform, Mm -hmm. iOS versus Android. And then uh, what happens is just more lines will be added to the graph. But this is, again, uh, already starting to be overcrowded. The user has a lot of effort now because he needs to look up Okay, I see a certain colored line I need to look to the legend and there are two values there a pair of values now because I have mm. Germany Android, Germany iOS and so mm. on and uh, this type of deciphering work uh, as I said um, is, is useless or uh, yeah can lead to <laughs> worse charts uh, you could also uh, create columns so just duplicate the number of charts you have basically make several uh, line charts out of them, uh, one per platform, maybe. Um, And it'll be easier um, to grasp uh, what's going on there, um, especially when you then uh, have synchronized axes and stuff like that. So um, again, there are then pitfalls that come with that, that you, again, have to uh, think of certain aspects, um, um, that it stays uh, comparable, but
0: yeah. Okay. Yeah, makes makes total sense to. um, I I would say use so you have different um, visual dimensions that you can use to um, to this to um, yeah show different values of 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 a variable. Let's say different platforms, different countries, and only use one of these visual dimensions for one. Um, type of of uh, grouping. So color could be one and these like faceting or different uh, like multiplication of the same chart um, could be another one.
1: It is uh, dependent or also on the content of the data, of course, like the cardinality of your uh of your value, is, um, that might change things, which dimension should go into the columns? Right. Where we say, okay, we split it into several line graphs next to each other, or could be rows also. But um, and which goes to the color, um, mm. depending if I have 100 values. That uh, might um, be that might be too much, be too much <laughs> for uh, 100 lines in a line chart, you know. Right. Um, then you have to think about what do I do, and there again much easier when you have a one-time analysis, then you can make all these decisions pretty much um, uh, Yeah, on the whole level. You already know where the, the end of your um, analysis is and you have uh, much better control and uh, not so much in dashboarding. There you have to think of what could happen in the future um, and how will this look like most likely.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You You mentioned that um, line charts and bar charts cover about 95% of all needs that you typically see probably in this this kind of visualization in a business context, I would say. Uh, um, When should I use a pie chart? And follow-up question, when should I use a 3D exploding pie chart? (laughs) Yeah,
1: so from my experience, Always use the exploding pie chart if you can. um, um, I wouldn't recommend using it at all. Um, I see how it is sometimes more visually fitting when it comes to a report that is uh, like a paper report that is published um, because of the donut shape. from a point of view of uh, if i only have the data analyst view in mind i would go with the bar charts always because it's better to compare um, and harder to read out the real values in the pie chart mm. um yeah but for a, something like a poster format or something i i also get that um maybe uh, if it's more about a presentation and not so much about the content and the hard numbers. Mm -hmm. Again, I think you need to understand what is the reason I'm doing this uh, visualization right now, Um, to whom am I communicating and what am I communicating, are these more soft facts or hard facts uh, that... Uh, we steer a business with or is it more like a pr presentation to the outside and i only have these two or three dimensions uh, and they work and are still readable in a pie chart um i won't uh, (laughs) (laughs) i won't uh, condemn you for it but uh, i won't do it either (laughs) yeah
0: you mentioned uh, a little bit before um that the, you know, the um, abilities of what you can do with the visualization also depends, also, of course, on, on the tools that you're using. What are your favorite tools for creating data visualizations? Why? Um,
1: so the, uh, the number one tool, and it's, it's funny a little bit, but I, uh, I think I read that once uh, in an interview by Georgia Lupi and it kind of stuck to me. Um, ever since um, it's a pen and paper (laughs) because that's where it starts Um, I think it's really really powerful uh, and a quick way to get your ideas on paper and in that process you already notice what works and won't work Uh, at least uh, in general like the big things that won't work you already notice them oh I can't do this I can't do that and I uh, I also recently talked to a friend about it uh, who is an architect, not not a data architect, a real architect, <laughs> and he was uh, saying a similar thing about the, the power of the uh, cardboard model. It's uh, it seems so simple, but it does make a huge difference. So I usually um, sketch out um, every thing I do um, ahead of time, at least when it's uh, when it comes to dashboarding. Um, Maybe not if it's a single graph or so. And of course, also with time, you grow uh, a little bit more confident or you have a better idea of uh, what will work and what won't work. But I think it's always worth um, sketching it out first. Um, So that's maybe ahead. So Mm -hmm. before you even go to the technical side of things. And then um, I work with a a range of visualization tools, um, but most deeply with Tableau and... uh, I have to say I'm uh, I'm quite a fan. Um, it has, I think, big, uh, big leverage, you can do many things. It comes a little bit with the pitfall of the default settings are, in my opinion, not the best always, and you kind of have to rearrange things a lot of the times, but you have so much freedom. You can really arrange the things in the way you would like them to be shown, um, and that is what makes it so powerful for me but i think the tool um, to use is always the one that best suits your needs and if you for example have a, a very small tool maybe a out-of-the-box solution is better because you um, uh, if you have a very small team an out-of-the-box um, tool is maybe better because you don't have the time to invest um, into these things and then there are um, solutions that that work better for for that uh,
0: case yeah yeah makes sense um i i i noticed uh, of course we worked uh, together before that you use your um, notebook and pen and paper a lot um and would you say you always start with uh, with that when you think about a new a new dashboard or a new visualization
1: um well i do um and I think I can recommend it, but of course it's up to everyone else. I just uh,
0: um, learned by experience that this really helped me. I have the feeling that this is, this allows you to be much more deliberate and not kind of um, let the tool dictate um, what you can do, but you start with what you have in mind and then you find a way to do it.
1: Yeah, you have a plan. It's a, It's like a blueprint that you can follow and, I mean, of course, it's not fixed. You can still change it, uh, but it, uh, it helps you uh, be focused. And mm. you already know, like, this, the connection from mind to pen to paper is somehow much quicker than uh, if I would start sketching in the technological tool already. So you much faster already get to know what doesn't work right. or won't work. And I think that's the... Um, in the end, it saves you time. Mm-hmm.
0: Um. When um, I'm really interested about this this whole process that you're describing now, um, the first step in in, in your process is the pen and paper, and like um, sketching it out, and then like trying uh, to 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 create that in the tool, um, and to see if it works or not. Um, what I'm interested is, um, what do you think of the or do you have experience with um, testing these visualizations with users so um, especially for dashboards this might be um, relevant. so um, yeah do you have experience with that or what do you think about testing if your if your creation if your ideas that you build in a dashboard if if they actually work in that way that you expected to Um,
1: that's a good question Uh, I think we never really or I never really uh, did that in a Uh, in a way that is documented and like prepared and planned and that we measure um, uh, what was going on and if users understood it. Um, I think it's more something I learned um, basically the hard way. If you do a presentation and you know what you want to get across, but you notice that some people don't understand what you're doing there and it's, Easier, of course, to think like, "Ah wh- why don't they get it? why don't they get it?" but um, if you take a step back, you will realize, okay, maybe my uh, my presentation of the data was not the best one. I could have also done it in this and that way, and again, here, um, from my experience, simplification is key if you um If you show a share of users who do a certain, let's say a distribution um, of users over time, how many users belong to a certain group, and it rarely changes over time. Don't show the timeline. Show it as a a bar chart um, and the data is referring to the whole time frame. It's your duty to check it out beforehand as the data analyst if there is something um, that is of consideration. So maybe if uh, I don't know, um, one year ago, um, there were uh, 80% uh, German market share and 20% uh, was rest of Europe and now it's the inverse of that. Then you should uh, make note of that and maybe show the timeline. Um, if, it's, if it's dropped from 80 to 79%, you don't need to show the timeline. Then you uh, uh, yeah, get rid of all this confusion and uh, make it as simple as possible. And um, sometimes, when you work with uh, with a certain content over the course of a whole day, you kind of you're becoming uh, an expert for it, and you don't see it as confusing anymore. And you only realize when presenting that maybe you put too much uh, into the presentation, um, and it could have been reduced. And because it also doesn't really matter that much, so that's your decision. Which are the points that matter? and how do I communicate them and everything else, I'm a big fan of being radical and getting rid of it. Um, I think it, it leads to more focus in the decisions that follow afterwards. And that's also something that um, uh, is, I think, the big task of, uh, of analytics to give impactful insights and something that's actionable. And um, if you... <laughs> If you uh, on the other hand, just uh, manage to uh, get everyone more confused or maybe not even confused or just um, or maybe yeah. just distracted, then that's a
0: minus yeah totally i I totally um see what uh, what you're talking about and um I also um made this experience often that people will look at everything that do that you show them if if you're making a presentation or if you're giving them a dashboard or maybe a whole like collection of dashboards they will look at everything um whether it's meaningful or not and um yeah you get distracted and you can create questions that are maybe unnecessary discussions that waste time um and yeah if we think about uh, the job of data visualization is to to sh- to give show some information so basically we visualize the data so it's easier to understand the information that's in the data but um as you in the example that that you that you said if for example the, the time uh, line or the, the the change over time there is no change over time then there is no information in the time uh, um, dimension exactly. and then you can leave it out yeah so basically all the dimensions or all the data points that that don't give any additional information, uh, we can leave it out.
1: Yeah, and uh, I mean, it's the good right of everyone uh, to look at everything that you give them. And actually, it's a good thing that they do. (laughs) Would be worse if they don't. Um, But it's the job of analytics folk to make sure that you only put out what is really necessary, I think. I kind um, of control that a little bit.
0: Absolutely, uh, to reduce um, and to to curate, and basically, um, I mean, I believe the the, the job of um, ultimately the job of analytics um, is to help the organization, the company, make better decisions, maybe also faster, but um, but in the end. Um, they should have all the information that's available in the data to make the decision, but um, we have to be careful if we overload um, the the people who have to make the decision with too much noise and um, useless data, then we can get the opposite effect, that people take longer to make a decision or are more confused and don't know what the right decision is. So um, yeah, simplicity and and reduction, I think is is really important. Um, Also just one thought that I had um, when you, like um, when you talked about this experience learning the hard way about if, if a dashboard, for example, if it works or it doesn't work, I think that's probably um, often the case that I don't know how many, teams have a formal um, testing or user testing process for their dashboards, which, by the way, I think it sounds like a good idea. Um, Maybe if you have an internal user testing team or a user experience team, um, maybe you can actually leverage that to also do some user testing on your dashboards. Um, But even if you don't have that and you don't have the resources to do that, I I would recommend to just... um, uh, sit in uh, the meetings, or um, maybe watch, look over the shoulder of the people who are using the dashboards, and uh, and don't just hand it off and and um, assume pe- what people that people will use it the right way and get the right information. But I found it very um, interesting often when um, I sit in a meeting where people uh, look at a dashboard that that we created. Um, and they would be asking themselves some questions that I thought are clear, should be clear from 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 the visualization, or they would misunderstand something, or um, have, yeah, end up in some discussions that that are unnecessary. And um, so, as the the analyst or the person who creates the dashboard, I think it's super valuable to observe. Uh, in some way the people who are using the dashboard
1: yeah that's true and now that you mention it i think that was also the the times where i uh, learned the most about uh, how people use the dashboards is uh, when we did uh, some workshops uh, on the dashboards that we created Um, general workshops for everyone in the company because that's when you get also the not so heavy and experienced users and i think here it shows how well you design basically with the ones uh, with the users that are maybe not so well suited in the whole topic
0: yeah i totally agree and it's um, it's a good test to have because people who see it look at the dashboard every day they get used to it they don't notice maybe the obvious things um and maybe they have misunderstood it the whole time but they, they just didn't think about it <laughs> It's the worst uh, case, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. one of the uh, like nightmare or worst case scenarios, I think, for every analyst or analytics team is when you notice, oh, this dashboard is wrong. Let's check it out if it's really wrong. And then we find out, yeah, the data is wrong. And then we find out, oh, it has been wrong for the last three months or something like this. And we've looked at it every day. Yeah. <laughs> And we've based some decisions on on it already. And <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a whole
1: another challenge uh, when it comes to uh, anomaly detections in data, uh, etc. How you make sure that everything's running
0: smooth from a technical <coughs> perspective. Totally. By the way, um, that's a little tangent right now, but uh, anom- anomaly detection, I think, is something we, as humans, we naturally do when we look at at some charts you know if it's especially you know time series uh charts we we always intuitively focus on these what we assume like it looks like a change maybe an anomaly you know what happened there what happened there yeah (laughs) um it's it's really i i believe there's um yeah there's a lot of value in the fact that we are pretty good at spotting these suspicious um patterns as, as humans, and we should not uh, not neglect that, uh, and 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 have some maybe um, process where where actually people look at the data on a regular basis to um, help whatever automatic system there might be. Also, you know.
1: Yeah.
0: And you always need the interpretation on top. Um,
1: what was really the reason for this change? Exactly. Um, that's not something that any. Anomaly detection can tell you it's just about here. There's a drop-off of 30%. This seems unusual. And then it's your job to yeah. interpret
0: that. Let me take um, a, a little bit different... Um, uh, yeah, talk about different area, maybe. Um, that's not so much directly related to, to your work experience. But um, I find that some of the most interesting and most appealing... Data visualizations um, that I see often come out of data journalism. So um, many newspapers now have dedicated team uh, only for, for doing data journalism, creating data visualizations. Uh, in here in Germany, I can think about, for example, Die Zeit, uh, Süddeutsche, or Tagesspiegel. They have often very, uh, very uh, um, highly intricate and interactive and beautiful visualizations. You know, and um, sometimes when I look at these. Uh, beautiful visualizations and compare that to a typical uh, business dashboard in in looker let's say I just want to cry like this is so ugly in comparison yeah. um, so maybe um, i don't know what are your thoughts on for analysts who are working in a business context um, what can we learn from data journalism
1: yeah that's a nice question um, I'm also a huge fan of data journalism in general I think it's a, a I mean, it's here to stay, first of all. (laughs) Um, It was really noticeable, I think, uh, since the start of the pandemic, especially um, how much more of a role uh, this played. And I also just read uh, last week that uh, the team for for Die Zeit has been honored with a bunch of awards again, uh, deservedly. Um, And yeah, I think what they managed very well is... um, (laughs) And what is also probably the difference uh, to uh, the business uh, context is that they have a dedicated design team that is really um, focusing only on the visualization part. And I rarely see that in any companies, probably because it's not the number one priority, um, but would be nice, of course. I think what we can learn from them is... um, it always gives me fresh perspectives. Uh, How could I also approach this, um, even if I maybe can't do it exactly the right way because we lack the tools and the resources in the day-to-day business, but um, just uh, how to visualize some things, I think the the trends uh, are coming more trickled down from that field into uh, the more business-related context than the other way around. Um, Yeah, and whereas maybe the whole uh, topic of processing data and uh, warehousing data, that is probably the expertise lies more in the business uh, sides than in journalism. Um, I can imagine. I have no uh, experience um, in data journalism professionally, by the way. Um, so just wanted to make that clear. Um, yeah, but it's, uh, it's so nice to see how this can leverage um, what would otherwise be um, just a good uh story Mm -hmm. a written story in a written form um and really add to that and
0: and uh yeah make it a whole different experience do you have uh, a favorite or maybe yeah some favorite um visualizations that you've seen recently or maybe longer ago um that you really find really inspiring that
1: you really like a lot So I'm a big fan of everything the New York Times does in that regards. And in the German-speaking world, it's the Zeit mainly. Um, I remember uh, their uh, visualization on uh, how the virus spreads in different uh, type of situations indoors. And you could basically... Because I think it was just a really cool... um, combination where everything linked perfectly together between the science behind it and then the data that backs it up but how it was presented was very user friendly, it was basically a little uh, program where you could just play around with some parameters, how many people you have in the room, what kind of masks they wear, um, how often the room uh, windows are opened, and things like that, and then it would calculate for you and also visualize um, how the virus will likely spread in that that vicinity. And that's uh, something where I really see this ability to tell stories in a completely different way, and it didn't involve a single chart, you Mm -hmm. know? I mean, I think later on in the uh, in the article, there were also some uh, charts uh, that uh, that gave some context. But this centerpiece was uh, basically an animation, mm-hmm. and it was really well well done. and yeah, I
0: like that a lot. That's the first thing that comes to mind now, but there are countless others, yeah okay, awesome. yeah, I, I like that. It's so playful and it's really not just interactive. Everything is somehow interactive. A dashboard is interactive. You can click on it, but, Um, you can it sounds like a next level of um, where it's it's kind of a game it's it's kind of fun to play with Um, engaging that sounds awesome okay so now um, I think we're done with the topic of data visualization but before we end the podcast um, I want to ask one a bit more personal question Um, both of us we work professionally in the in -hmm. analytics in the business context but Tobi, what would you be doing if you didn't work in data at all? I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, it's, it's also something um,
1: that I didn't plan uh, out as at least not um, really that strategically. I was always really interested in the topic of data visualization and that's how I ended up in the field. What would I do if I hadn't got into data analytics? I think maybe something with music, so that's Probably my second uh, biggest interest, uh, um, and yeah, doing music, uh, listening to music, everything uh, related to that. Uh, I played drums for a long time in bands, and um, I recently got uh, myself some new hardware uh, as well for uh, music production, doing
0: some beats. Uh, yeah. So. Awesome. So if you if you ever uh release uh some new music let me know <laughs> i will maybe i can i can produce a jingle for this new podcast <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good that sounds good awesome toby um yeah thanks so much again i really uh, enjoyed the conversation um I had a lot of fun and thanks again for coming here on the podcast um and yeah uh, hope um that if you were listening until now, that you also found something interesting in this conversation and um, listen to Analytics Anonymous again in the future.
1: Thanks so much uh, for having me. It was a pleasure and yeah,
0: thank you. Thank you for listening to Analytics Anonymous. If you liked the show, please tell your friends and coworkers about it and don't forget to subscribe. Also, I always appreciate feedback. Every comment or review helps me to improve the show in the future feel free to reach out to me directly via email or social media. Take care. Until next time.